Welcome to The Lawyerist Podcast, a series of conversations about law practice. Each week, we talk with legal entrepreneurs and innovators about building a successful law practice in today's challenging and constantly changing legal market. And now, here are your hosts. Hi, I'm Sam Glover. And I'm Aaron Street, and this is episode 249 of the Lawyerist Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. Today, we're talking with Todd Herman about his book, The Alter Ego Effect. Today's podcast is brought to you by Smith AI, Ross Intelligence, SaneBox, and Alert Communications. We wouldn't be able to do this show without their support. Please stay tuned. We'll tell you more about them later on. A couple of weeks ago, I spent the week with Todd Herman at a conference for other entrepreneurs, and he gave a really powerful talk there. And so I've read his book a while ago, and I'm just really excited We've to hear the rest of this times. episode. Yeah, I've been reading his book and deciding what I'm going to call my alter ego. Because mm-hmm. you have to give it a name. But don't spoil it yet. No, I haven't yeah. decided yet. Uh-huh. Um, weird thing, we have had <laughs> in the last couple of months, some podcast listeners inform us that they hadn't realized that we have a website. Yeah. <laughs> that that there is a place on the internet called lawyerist.com that happens to have thousands of articles of really valuable stuff and a podcast archive and videos and an online community and all of the things that have been there for over a decade now. And it's not to call out any of you who are listening to this podcast who, for whatever reason, found this before you found our other stuff. Like, thank you for listening to the podcast. But it is absolutely to let all of you know that lawyerist.com is the go-to resource on the (laughs) internet for for small law firms and has been for a really long time. I think I know where this comes from. Okay. Because I, like you listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I never go to their websites because for most of those podcasts, all their website is, is a place to go and see a list of episodes. Our website is not that. No, our website came first and was already the go-to resource <laughs> for small law firms before yes. we launched a podcast four years ago. And I feel confident if you have never been to lawyerist.com that if this this is not your first episode if this is your third or 30th I feel confident that you would enjoy visiting the website and that you would get a lot out of it. This feels like the weirdest, <laughs> the weirdest call to action in 250 episodes of this show. Yes. I'm like, hey, guys, did, did you, you know? know? <laughs> Five years and here we are. But no, but seriously, check it out because it is so funny, though, when we hear somebody's like, hey, I've been listening to your podcast for years. I just visited lawyers.com for the first time and there's so much stuff there. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> So go visit and let us know what you think. Tell us if it met your expectations or if we failed you. I'll be interested to hear about it. So it's at lawyerist.com, yes. by the way. Not lawyerlist.com and not lawyers.com. However, the lawyerist.com we'll will get, get you it there. It will get you there. Although that's not the name of it. Correct. And now we've got a brief sponsored conversation with Maddie Martin from Smith AI and then my conversation with Todd Herman. Hi, I'm Maddie Martin. I am the head of growth and education for Smith AI. We're a virtual receptionist and web chat service for solo and small businesses, mostly attorneys. Hi, Maddie. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for having me. So you and I are going to talk about the Clio Legal Trends Report information on responsiveness, which is a little bit shocking. So let me summarize it quickly, and then we can talk about why there's an obvious solution and it's a virtual receptionist. So out of 500 potential client calls placed by an independent research agency, 39% went to voicemail and 57% of those never got returned. Out of 1,000 emails, 60% never got returned, and 71% of those that did get returned were inadequate responses like, thanks for your email, please call me, which is lame. And we know that of those who shop for a lawyer, most people contact more than one firm, and most people who hire lawyers say their decision is based on their initial phone call. So based on that, Maddie, it seems like an obvious solution here is get a virtual receptionist, get some sort of a system so that you can be more responsive on your website, right? Absolutely. It is critical to be responsive to new potential clients. We know that most people who are shopping for a lawyer say that they contact more than one law firm. Not only is it important to respond, but also to provide meaningful information. And I would say to really effectively filter out the, you know, unqualified leads from the very well qualified leads who you want to become a 
new client for your firm. Because what we also see in these past reports, which is shown again here in this year's, is that 59% of people who actually have a consultation don't end up hiring the attorney. So it's important not only to provide information by phone and email, whatever method they're using to communicate with you upfront, but to be proactive and sharing information that you know helps people self-screen themselves in or out of the funnel, so to speak, for your law firm. I mean, that makes a ton of sense to me. Like if I'm looking for a lawyer and if all I'm doing is leaving a voicemail or sending an email, I'm going to leave 10 of those or three of those, right? With a bunch of different lawyers. If you pick up the phone or if instead of using email, I've entered my question into a live chat box on your website, if I actually get to engage in a communication there and you're helpful and schedule an appointment with me, I might be done then. You very well would be done then, especially if the person who's communicating on the other side is good at screening and scheduling so that there's some action that happens at the end of that conversation, or at least there's a prompt asking you to take the next step in the process if you're a qualified lead. And what we know is that 67% of new potential clients say their decision to hire is based on the immediate response to a phone call or email. And what we also know is that people are, you're absolutely right, dedicating a a little bit of time during the day to find that attorney who they need. Mm -hmm. um, but we also know that web chat is really nice for a variety of reasons, not just that it's instant, but also that it's discreet because people are more and more comfortable expressing themselves through their fingertips and not hmm. through their voice. And this is something that Smith AI does, obviously, is they can be the receptionist on your chat as well as your phone call. Maddie, one of the things that keeps coming up is some lawyers have really well-targeted marketing campaigns, and so every phone call they get is likely to be a well-targeted one, and so they don't feel like they're wasting their time picking up the phone. They should have a virtual receptionist so that they can pick up the phone at all times because they don't want to miss out on that quality. The other thing that I often hear is most of the phone calls I get are crap, and it feels like a waste of my time, so I just let them all go to voicemail. But you can help screen too, right? Like people can come up with a few questions that they can give to the receptionist that help screen those calls calls to make sure that only the valuable ones get through, right? Not only that, but we can screen using your questions and your custom criteria, but we can complete your intake form that you're hosting on your CRM or intake platform, your marketing automation. So if for some reason the lead is not ready to schedule an appointment, which we can do on your calendar, we have API integrations into almost every major legal CRM or software so that that lead is immediately logged in your system and you can automatically start the lead nurturing campaign and drip and follow-ups to convert that potential client. Very cool. If you'd like to learn more, visit smith.ai for more information about how Smith AI can help you. The first five people who sign up and mention the Lawyers Podcast will get a $200 account credit. That's awesome. Maddie, thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks so much, Sam. My pleasure. I am Todd Herman from New York City by way of growing up on a big farm and ranch in Western Canada. So to all those uh, Canucks out there, hey, hey. But I have run a peak performance and mental game training and coaching company for the last uh, 22 years, working with Olympic athletes, pro athletes, uh, public figures and leaders and giving them the systems and training on how to navigate the six inches between their ears so that they can continue to do tough stuff and stare down the natural dragons that anyone that's sort of ambitious has to slay on their path to whatever their definition of success might be. Awesome. Thanks for being with us today. I've been digging into your book, The Alter Ego Effect, Todd. And one of the things I appreciate, which you just alluded to, is the fact that you wrote this book from a position from the, not the back end, you're not done with your career yep. by any means, but you wrote it from after having dozens of years of experience working on these concepts. I find that business books are kind of divided into two categories. And one are like, I have an idea that I want to share with people. Sure. And the other is, here's what I know and here's what I've learned over time. And yeah. I really appreciated that about the book. Yeah. I mean, I was asked to write this book in 2004, about maybe a year into me really having this as the centerpiece for the work that I would kind of use with people to help them really unlock the capabilities that they already had out on the field. Because I started in sports and then I expanded and built up another training company in the world of uh, corporate and sort of the business world. But I waited because I still needed, uh, there were still some sort of unanswered questions for me around the science behind why everything worked the way that it did so well mm -hmm. and why 
this sort of concept of using an alter ego or a secret identity was this golden thread that was weaving together the people that were truly performing at the highest levels. And, you know, 11 years later in 2015, I finally started the process and, you know, the book finally came out earlier this year. Very cool. Maybe we should start by introducing the concept of an alter ego effect. I mean, most people have heard that term, but yeah. how are we talking about it here? Sure. So, well, I think the key term there is the effect part hmm. in the alter ego. And uh, the effect part of an alter ego was that it actually allowed people to find what they're truly capable of. Because many times, not at many times, every day we all operate through whatever our ego is. And our ego is, oh, we've got a lot of times natural pitfalls and traps. You know, we do things because we want other people to perceive us in a certain way, or our motivations are to impress other people or do things because our mom and dad wanted us to do it that way, like whatever it might be mm -hmm. for someone or tribally where, you know, black people do it this way, white people do it this way, Jewish, Catholics, you know, Canadians, Americans, there's all these different kind of hidden strings that drive us and we don't even realize it. So the effect of an alter ego has been that it's been this phenomenal psychological tool that actually allows people to reveal more of what they actually are and allow them to more elegantly, gracefully, and with more grit move through and navigate the natural challenges and obstacles that lay along our path. I've heard people describe mindset and things as the story that we tell ourselves about who we are. Yeah. You know, like my mom raised me with the story of we are literary people and we are not good at math turns out I am. But that was the story I grew up with. Yeah. And I, it sounds like the alter ego effect is sort of a way of teaching yourself a different story, how to tell yourself a different story about yourself. Yeah, it's you've sort of nailed on one of the really important lessons in the book. I wish I actually had probably another 150 pages to talk <laughs> about the power of story, but mm -hmm. it didn't really it wasn't really needed. But you know, if you think about the fact that human beings, we operate on these three different levels, the mental, the emotional, and the physical level. You know, when mm -hmm. I first started out, uh, when I launched my business, the reason that it grew so quickly was because the only thing I knew how to do was to speak. And that was because I was a 4-H kid. You know, I grew up on a big farm and ranch and in the farming mm -hmm. communities, 4-H is a big thing. If you're not familiar with what 4-H yeah, is sure. out there, it's, it's basically agricultural Boy Scouts sort of thing. And a part of that... <laughs> I like it, that. That's a good way to describe it. <laughs> yeah, that's my, uh, I found it through, you know, trying to articulate it to people in so many different ways. And I was like, hey, you know what, agricultural Boy Scouts is probably the best way to <laughs> saying it. But a big part of being in 4-H is you had to, you always had to compete in a speaking competition that went up to the national level. And mm -hmm. I got involved when I was 10. And my first year doing it when I was 10, I actually won the competition for not only my club, but at the next level. And then I made it to the provincials, which is like the state finals kind of thing. But so the only thing I knew how to do to get my message out there was to speak. Uh, and I did 68 speeches in 90 days wow. around my province of Alberta. And I basically never had to really market my business since that time. And that was in 98. But, you know, the topic that I took out to people was the triune athlete, the mentally, emotionally, and physically tough athlete, that when you aligned these three things together, allowed them to play at their peak level, find the zone and flow state, and then ultimately become better leaders off the ice too. Hmm. So this mentally, emotional, and physical side of things is if you use this as a meta concept for even discovering why people might not be doing things the way that you want them to if you're a leader of your business and or even your own kids or people that are around you the biggest sticking point is that the emotional side most people know what they need to be doing yeah. there actually isn't a lack of knowledge out there for people but it's that middle part and the emotional part is the story part and that is the powerful thing that i discovered with the alter ego is the alter ego when you build this story around its origin possibly and where it's inspired from. And there's so many different stories I've got in the book about the examples that people have used to yeah, um, give us a couple like uh, Martin Luther King yeah. is one of my favorites, which I never had heard about before. Yeah. So the Martin Luther King one fascinates even the people who are really close to him. They didn't even realize yeah. that he used this idea. And I, and I found it out because I was doing a speech in San Antonio, Texas in 2004 at this big leadership conference. And after I got done doing my talk and I, and I explained in my talk, it was, it was actually about leading millennials. And I, and I talked about my own insecurities when I started my business about how young I I looked mm. and how I used an alter ego when I played, I played college football. I was a nationally ranked badminton player. I was a good athlete, but I wasn't physically gifted. My, my, my strength was my football mental. and badminton. 
I know they go, they go together perfectly. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, that's, that's typically everyone's response. People are like, wait, what did you just say? Did you say football and badminton? And I was like, I loved court games and, um, but I loved the physicality of, of football, but I wasn't a physically gifted person, but my mental game was my strength. And so when I got into business, I was so insecure about how young I looked. And, you know, I didn't have six letters behind my name with different degrees. I didn't have three best-selling books. And so I was stopping myself from booking the stages or the mm-hmm. workshops, making the calls I needed to make because I was, I was actually very good at working with youngsters on kind of navigating that six inches between their ears. And so I was talking about, I was telling the story about how I got inspired to go and buy a pair of glasses to do what I called my reverse Superman. Superman put on glasses to become Clark Kent. And I put on my glasses to act through this identity of Superman and Joseph Campbell and Benjamin Franklin, three of my heroes. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were they were the composite that made up this identity called Super Richard. And Super Richard was the one who made the phone calls to, <laughs> to book things because Todd was just too insecure. So anyways, I was telling this story and then this lady came up to me afterwards and she said, I love what you just had to say about leading millennials. But specifically, I love that you used fake glasses to kind of get past your insecurities. And it's funny because Martin used fake glasses too. And I looked down at the placard around her neck, hmm. um, her name badge, and it was Coretta Scott King. Oh, Martin wow. <laughs> and uh, so this is just before she passed away. And, uh, and so we got in this awesome conversation. She told me about how he would, whenever he'd sit down to write his speeches or, or, or anything, articles, he would put on a pair of fake glasses to step into what he called his distinguished self hmm. because he felt like he was carrying such an important message and on such an important mission. He didn't want Martin's insecurities to get in the way of saying the important things he needed to say. And so, but this distinguished self could say it in an articulate way. And I always kept that story because it was actually just a private moment between her and I, but now I get to share it more widely. Well, A, because of the book, but also because in Atlanta, Hartsfield Airport at the main airport there, there's this great sort of monument area to Martin Luther King. And there's this window box with his glasses on there is a placard that said, uh, you know, Martin Luther King used these glasses, but they were fake glasses to oh, step into yeah. his distinguished self. And yeah, and so, and that's just one little piece of this entire process that I talk about in the book of, because after I sort of discovered this while working with higher and higher quality athletes that, wait a second, this is actually a real common yeah, you didn't thread. make this up. Like you started no. the book talking about how you were introduced to Bo Jackson and he explained that it wasn't him on the field. And yeah. um, Beyonce had an alter ego, Sasha Fierce. And it, it's actually a really common thing. And when you talk about an alter ego, you are actually yeah. talking about creating a persona that allows you to put on a cape basically and be yeah. a different person. Yeah. And step into a new story mm-hmm. of how you're going to be acting inspired by someone or something that you resonate with deeply. And it's mm-hmm. that part that's really important is you just don't kind of go to, oh, well, you know, these superhero movies are really popular right now. So I'm going to be Thor. If you don't know anything about Thor and if you don't aren't connected to Thor, that probably wouldn't be the best inspiration for the alter ego to draw out the natural capabilities that you actually have, but are sort of nested below a more destructive or more trapping story about who you think you are and what you think you can do. But, you know, really pulling out a source of inspiration that you are deeply connected to because it draws out. Mm -hmm. Well, it prevents that drawbridge. If you think about how we need to know or we already know how we're supposed to go and act, but then we do it. We Um, We choke or we clam up or we don't say the thing that we wanted to say. You know, we don't close the deal. We don't, you know, respond to our kids if we're at home in a more, you know, loving, compassionate, patient way. Instead, we just fly off the handle or whatever. And then we beat ourselves up because we're like, you know, that's not the way that I want to show up as a parent. What's really funny about the book being out there and, and become really popular is the number of stories of people using it to actually step into becoming better parents. Yeah, I just was rereading the section where you talked about the military officer yeah. who was saying, I need to figure out a way to take off this uniform when I get home yeah. with my kids. So I can hear our listeners going, but Sam, I thought we've been hearing all about authenticity and now you're telling me to act like I'm somebody I'm not. Mm-hmm. I think I know how, you, how you're going to address this and that it's not actually inconsistent, but I think I'd better let you do that because yeah. there feels like tension between an alter ego and authenticity. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, authenticity is just the term itself and authentic Mm -hmm. in their, in their natural definitions. They're Mm -hmm. super valuable. Like it's a valuable term, but just like any words, they end up getting co-opted in society Mm -hmm. and they become memes of themselves. 
And so now you see this sort of, uh, I think that people are using the idea of authenticity and authentic self and stuff in this virtue signaling way to basically excuse away poor behavior. And again, like a lot of times these terms are trotted out by people who have not been on the field of play. I think what's really important for people to understand as a rule of thumb in life, seek out the practitioners please, I am actually imploring people, Mm. find the people who actually work with people one-on-one day to day, because we're the ones who are actually in the gutter or crawling in between the grout of life and, and seeing what people are actually doing or actually using in order to be successful at something. And so I'm not concerned with the idea of authenticity and authentic self. In fact, if you actually read the biographies or interviews of people who've made it, quote unquote, mm-hmm. you will never hear them talk about authenticity, authentic self. Because just think about what, like just the logical expression of how life works. You're constantly bumping up against comfort zones or you're coming up against the edge of your capability of what you think it is. And you need to burst through that. Right. And so typically the best thing you can do is grab a tool on the other side of that and drag yourself comfort across, zone yeah. or ceiling and pull yourself across. And, and so just by that definition alone, who you are today is probably different than who you were six months ago, a year from now or a yeah. year ago. Yeah. Which, I, that's a really which good one point. of you was authentic? Which one of you was authentic? So stop trapping yourself. Again, <laughs> these are terms that are used by the average of society. Mm. I, I am not going to be the most popular people that people interact with in the world of like personal development peak performance, because I'm not here to continue to pander to people's perceptions and paradigms of that have been you know, trotted out for decades from people who have not been doing the work. I'm mm. telling you how people who are very, very successful in life navigate the six inches of their own ears to help them do difficult things. And if someone wants to argue against it because they're they're really, really engaged with the idea of authenticity, then go ahead. I'm just telling you that you're going to be trapped by it. And I'm, honestly, I just don't care if someone doesn't like the idea. I guess I thought you were going to explain that what's not authentic about, I mean, if, yeah. if you're using an alter ego to uncover capability that you have. I mean, that's the thing. You're not, you're not actually being Superman. No. That doesn't work. You explain a few times, like, you can't pretend to be a nuclear physicist if you don't actually have the education. 100%. What you're doing by putting on an alter ego is you're uncovering abilities that you actually have by removing some blocks to performance in them. And so what isn't authentic about just letting yourself yeah. accomplish what you're actually capable of? No, and that's always the other place yeah. that I'll go with it is, you know, what's authentic about you not saying the things that you wanted to say in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, so there's nothing authentic and it's just, I mean, the, the battleground in life is between the six inches of your own ears. That's Mm -hmm. truly the battleground. You know, there's a, you know, common sort of cliche, but you know, the sports or or the game is 90% mental and 10%, whatever it's not at, at higher levels. Same thing in business. It's even more so I've got more pro former pro athletes or Olympians that if you ask them, would they prefer to go back and put themselves through the physical challenges of their sport or continue their daily operation as an entrepreneur, if they are entrepreneurs, every single one of them will tell you that entrepreneurship is so much harder Mm. than sport, so much harder than sport. Because Mm. at least in sports, there's a very defined sideline or there's a goal. Like it's very predictable in the game that you're playing. Business, it's not. And so that six inches between your ears, whatever it takes for you to overcome the self-limitations that typically are there. And if you're using the alter ego, which is something that everyone that's listening has already used. That's the great thing about this is right. I'll challenge everyone with, you've already used this idea because mm-hmm. every human being has. This is what we naturally do as children when we're in our most creative space, which is between the ages we of pretend, one and yeah. seven. Yeah, we pretend. We put on and we ask ourselves the questions of, you know, what could I do if, and that's the suspension of disbelief. Because, you know, we're just trying on a new idea. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's anything that could be, quote, more authentic than you untapping all of your capabilities by playing with the great tool that we're gifted with, which is this creative imagination. And via the creative imagination, we use alter egos to simply navigate that with more grace. We need to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. And when we come back, I want to get the Cliff Notes version from you of how to go about creating an alter ego. We'll be right back. With Ross Intelligence, lawyers conducting legal research leverage AI to get to the heart of legal issues fast. 
Ask a query in natural language on the Ross Legal Research Platform, and Ross will return on-point case law. Attorney Jonathan Udoka says he's able to use Ross as though it were a first-year associate doing top-flight legal research. At $89 a month, Ross is not only fast and intuitive, it's also affordable. See what Ross can do. Go to rossintelligence.com lawyerist today and get a 14-day free trial. Use the promo code lawyerist for 10% off your first-year subscription. Longtime podcast listeners and lawyerist readers know that Sam and I get pretty excited about email productivity tips, but we know that most people don't have the time or energy to be email productivity nerds like us. So it's great that SameBox will take care of fixing your inbox for you. I've used SameBox for a while now, and it automatically organizes your incoming email into smart folders so you don't have to be overwhelmed by a busy inbox and don't have to see important client emails next to junky coupon offers, distracting you from the work you need to do. Best yet, SameBox learns with you, so if you find it puts something in the wrong folder, just move it, and SameBox will automatically learn your preference. It also has a nifty features like Sane Black Hole, where you can drag messages from annoying senders you never want to hear from again. It's so simple, you won't need to learn anything to use it. It just takes care of everything itself. SaneBox works directly with every single email server or service that has ever been created, so it will definitely work for you. Get a free two-week trial and a $25 credit by visiting samebox.com slash lawyerist today. That's S-A-N-E-B-O-X dot com slash lawyerist. A legal-only call center, Alert Communications has been helping law firms and legal marketing agencies with new client intake for over 50 years. Alert responds to and captures all leads for your law firm efficiently using their highly trained intake specialists and software solutions. They work 24-7, 365 as an extension of your law firm in both English and Spanish. Alert strives to set best practice standards within the mass tort legal community by using ethical ideals, in turn elevating the quality of client services and earning the trust of attorneys. To find out how Alert can increase your mass tort or class action lead conversion rates, call 844-MY-INTAKE or find them at alertcommunications.com. Okay, we're back. So Todd, we talked about what an alter ego is, and I hope we mm -hmm. did a pretty good job of that. This is a good point to say, like, it's a really good book. This is not a business book where there's a tiny idea and you can skim the rest. This is a book that's worth reading in full, page by page. Our listeners will know that I kind of divide business books up into those two categories, too, where yeah. um, there's a lot of fluff and one, one paragraph of meat, and your book is not one of those. So Thank you. Yeah, I've worked hard at that. <laughs> well, I mean, I just, I mean, even though I have like an online training program to accompany this, yeah. um, I tell people even on the actual sales page for that thing, there is nothing new in the online. I put everything that you need to know about creating one, crafting one, and leveraging this idea and the stories of just so many people that have used this in the actual book. So, And it's a bargain at $26.99. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but maybe give us the, the Cliff Notes version of it. Like, How do you yeah. go about identifying what your alter ego needs to be, creating one, triggering it, all that, and identifying when to use it? Yeah, sure. So first place to start is to realize that we don't have just one self, okay? Because this is the setup to why this first step is important. There is no one Sam, right? Yeah. There, You've got many, many expressions of how you show up in the world based on roles, situations that you're in and circumstances or the field of play that you're going to go on. Like who Sam is as an interviewer on this and then who Sam is in the business or selling something or getting on stage and talking are going to be kind of slightly different from each other, right? For sure. And and the perception of me is going to be different too. Like there's... Exactly. That's actually how we ended up having you on the podcast was I was talking about like as a manager, people perceive me differently as a as the, yeah. the speaking outreach person for lawyers, people perceive me differently. And yeah. yeah. And so, and there's science to, to back all this up. That's the one thing that... I mean, that's a core value of our training company is the things that we teach others need to be rooted into the science mm -hmm. of, of why people operate this way. And so that's why I talk about consistently in the book. So for the longest time, single self theory was a dominant uh, idea in the world of psychology, meaning that the people who had and identified with themselves as one identity would have a um, higher level of uh, mental health, hmm. lower rates of depression, stress, anxiety, and things like that. Now, me as a practitioner, I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense because my athletes, when they get off the field, are typically very different. And anyone who's ever met an athlete or public figure entertainer out in the public, they're like, oh, that a lot of people will say, gee, that person's actually a lot different than I thought they'd be. Of course they are because right. it's a different environment. And so now the fastest growing field of psychological study is this field uh, called multiple self theory, which is that the people who identify and see themselves as having many selves, many sides of themselves, 
that are meant to be custom built for the roles that they play and to be successful in those fields of play have um, a way higher uh, degree of positive mental health, meaning lower rates of depression or anxiety mm. and stress. And so this gets to the point that we don't have one alter ego for our entire life, just like we don't have one ego for our entire life. Right. So the first place to start with this is what's the area, what's the role, what's the field for you that you're most frustrated by right now, possibly, because that's going to be an area that we can have the biggest impact then on the quality of your life. Hmm. So is it you as a parent? Is it you as the you know promoter and chief salesperson for the business? Is it you as the actual you know practitioner in your business, the one that like doing the actual work, like whatever? I mean, there's so many roles. Is it? Uh, I had this lady come up to me at this event I just was the keynote speaker at, and she said, "I've never worked out a day in my life. I picked up your book back in April, and I've lost a hundred pounds as hmm. I hired an alter ego to do the work." <laughs> and I was like this, I mean, it's one of my favorite and she looks amazing and she's got this speaking career that's taking off where she's just, I said, I just, I found a completely new self that I didn't know was there. And so for her, it was health. Yeah. She hired an alter ego to help her with, with that. And I thought just the way that she kind of vocalized it, I was like, I love that yeah. idea of I hired an alter ego. It's not me getting up at 5.30 in the morning. I get up at 5.30 in the morning and then somebody else walks out the door and goes for a run or goes to the gym or whatever. That you know? loves the idea of working out. And uh, <laughs> it was such a fun conversation. There was, what was cool is there were so many people around sort of listening to this and they were just like, oh my goodness, that the whole idea of hiring. So th anyway, the first step is what's that one area of your life that you might be most frustrated with and start there because that's where we could get the biggest win for someone. So after that, then the second step is, okay, well, what is it about the way that you're currently showing up that you don't like? Like, mm -hmm. what is it that is challenging you or you're struggling with? Is it the way that you're thinking about it? Is it your association with that? Like for her, it was that kind of what's holding you back. Yeah. What's holding you back mm -hmm. there? Let's say, cause sales is a very popular thing. Cause anytime, you know, you've got an opportunity for the white hot light of performance to be shone on you. Yeah. That's typically a sticking point. I call them in the book, I call them moments of impact because that's where you're going to have the biggest, you know, bang for your performance buck. It's, it's in that moment when action is actually happening. And typically it's involving other people getting up and doing a presentation in front of people. I mean, for newer lawyers, I'm guessing a lot of it is like showing up in court or at client meetings or something like that. Mm -hmm. For older lawyers, I'm guessing it's more about other aspects of their life or business, like being the business leader or exactly. being a parent or a partner or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Typically it's that business leader side of things. Mm -hmm. It's that they know how to lead themselves, but oftentimes right. they struggle with leading other people. In fact, I mean, I have many guys on wall street that have built up really big private equity firms here in New York and they got to where they got because of being a fantastic bulldog in the right. markets, maybe. But that doesn't work out very well when you're trying to actually build a big leadership team. And mm -hmm. so they would keep that bulldog mentality, but they would burn out their teams and have high turnover rates. So I think that's a huge opportunity then to find a new leader that shows up in that moment. Right. So yeah, so that second step is like, well, what's frustrating you about the way that you're showing up? You know, is it the actions that you're not taking? Is it the way that you are showing up? Because maybe it's you're showing up a little bit too meek or you're showing up too angry like as a parent that can be one of the key things that is stopping people you're coming home and you're tired like whatever it is like just list those things out because in the third step it's all right now what are the superpower superhero type qualities that you would like to bring to that that would make a big impact how do you want to be showing up and this gets back to one of the key principles of why this entire process or why this has been so successful for so many thousands and tens of thousands of people is that this is the point where we start acting with more intention. You're now choosing how you want to be showing up. Like this sort of separation of people oftentimes are acting through an identity that is trapped by something. You're doing things for other people the perceptions you're trying to win people's attention or anytime you're doing an outside in approach, I call it, you're going to trap yourself. Whereas this power of kind of intentionally choosing, you know what, in this role, I want to be performing this way, not because of it's going to be the highest likelihood of success, maybe, but it's because this is how I want to be showing up is incredibly freeing. Mm -hmm. And this gets to the point of 
now authenticity or authentic. This is the you that you most want to bring to that role now. As I was reading your book, I was kind of thinking that intentionality on steroids is another way of thinking about yeah. the alter ego effect is like, yeah, just really observing that here's how I'm going to show up and here's how I'm yeah. going to do that. Now, this is what trips people up is this thing, because other people have talked about the power of intention. Mm -hmm. However, the power of being a practitioner is I've been able to see how people have actually applied it. Right. And because just because there's a litany of many different journals and books and self-help or personal leadership books that have been out there that have said, you know, how do you want to be or something like that? And then they go, now just go be it. And I'm like, mm -hmm. well, now what you've just done is you've just fallen into the trap of our psychology, which is you're trying to bring willpower to the unconscious. Best of luck with that. Because you're unconscious. That's like why affirmations are so, uh, there's a lot of nuance in affirmations. Affirmations have proven to only work when you already have a positive association with that affirmation. Meaning, if you are already confident in your ability to speak and you tell yourself that you're a powerful speaker, mm -hmm. you're going to become a more powerful speaker. However, if you're saying, I am a powerful speaker, and you're scared, you're timid, you're concerned, you've got, you're fearful, it will actually cause you to go into more of a depressive state. Multiple studies have been done on this. Hmm. University of Waterloo up in Canada did a great study on this. So affirming to yourself something positive when you fundamentally don't believe it about yourself will yeah. actually cause you more harm. A light bulb just went off while you were talking because, you know, people say, you know, I, I want to get in better shape. Well, it's the easiest thing in the world. Just go work out every day. Yeah. Right. There's there. It's the simplest thing. Just work out every day. But it's also the hardest thing. Yeah. And you just kind of explain that in a way that made sense about why it's so hard. Exactly. And you're so, telling yourself a story about it being hard. Exactly. And so what you just unpacked there, though, is that perfect example of that mental, emotional, physical, that mm -hmm. triune mental. I know I need to work out. I know exactly what exercises I should go and do to go work out and become more fit. But physically, I'm somehow not just going out and doing it. Well, what is it? Well, that's because of the story that sits between the ears, mm -hmm. association with it. It's that you don't have an identity that is of someone who works out. And that's the most powerful part of this. What we're actually doing when we're using an alter ego is we're changing our identities association. And the identity of someone is the ultimate trump card in the world of performance. A lot of people talk about habits and routines and things like that, behaviors. And for me, th that stuff is Cheerios. Right. That stuff is very easy to chew on and eat. But I'm known as being like more of a quick hit artist in sport. Like I'm the guy that when someone needs to get transformed by Saturday and it's a Wednesday for the US Open, I can help make that happen because I can change someone's identity really, really, really quickly. Well, and it sounds like the tool is like the difference between just intentionality and what you're teaching is actually come up with a name and a personality of your alter ego, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 And that's what we're moving into is this. Now, what are those superpower qualities that you want to show up? Now, if you just stopped there, again, that's why I said like willpower, that's the, that's the classic idea of, you know, the conscious mind being the mouse and the unconscious being the rumbling herd of elephants. I mean, it's just going to win. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so, but the alter ego was this phenomenal sidestep, which is the creative imagination. Creative imagination is, is our ultimate superpower as human beings. It's actually the thing that makes us the most unique on this planet and different mm -hmm. from other animals. Being able to imagine, yeah. Being able to imagine, being able to tell stories and create narratives in our own head. And that's what the alter ego is now leveraging. And so this sub-step inside of number three is, okay, now that you've got your, these superpowers or these ways that you want to start showing up, who or what already embodies them as a representation that you can latch on to, to be inspired to act through. So that's what I did with, say, Joseph Campbell and Benjamin Franklin and um, Superman. I said, okay, now Super Richard gave him a name. Is that's actually who is going to be making those calls? Todd? No. Todd, who's, you know, he's got some insecurity issues. He's lacking some confidence right now. <laughs> um, he's not going to make those calls, but Super Richard is. And I'm latching on to the traits and the qualities and the abilities of those people. I'm not, it's not faking it till you make it. That's not what it is because we're not faking the behavior. What we're doing is we're actually reaching deeper into the resources and reservoir of our capabilities as human beings. And I'm tapping into the attributes and traits because it's, there's something about those people that I'm inspired by. It's not that he can stop bullets with his chest. That's not mm -hmm. it. 
it's it's <laughs> that wouldn't work <laughs> no it wouldn't work um nor would i be wanting to go into a podcast and say that it does that would cause a few problems probably issues for me but that's what i'm latching onto. and now and now this is the thing that gets around that herd of rumbling elephants does it help to pick a, a character that you know yes. as a shortcut like yeah. then you don't have to try and construct one out of whole cloth yeah i've been doing this for well I've been using this idea of Jesus even for myself since I was 14, mm-hmm. like in, in an intentional way, but building them out for other people since 2003. And yeah, the biggest trap would be trying to just create something out of thin air as opposed to leveraging an existing idea. And why is that? That's because, you know, if you've got a character that you love in fiction or in real life, someone that you might know or in movies or television, or it's a, an animal that you have reverence for, you've already got a deep emotional connection. And that's what I'm looking for. Because again, that's what will allow us to lower the drawbridge of emotion to connect the worlds of the mental side and the action side, the physical side. So that that idea that you've got about how you want to show up actually gets out. It's just being carried out there through this concept of an alter ego. Hmm. And you know, Kobe Bryant's a really good example of this. When he was going through a really challenging time in the early 2000s, and he felt like he was sort of losing his identity because of a legal case that he was battling, he was watching the movie Kill Bill, and he saw hmm. the Black Mamba yep. in this one uh, scene, and he thought to himself, "That's how I'm going to show up on the court." And then he actually took it one step further, which is he then learned more about what the attributes and qualities are of the Black Mamba. Because again, it's like anything in life. Once you start to learn more about something, you actually develop a deeper connection and resonance to it, which is what right. I want someone to have. To get to your point about you know, finding something that you already have familiarity with. Mm-hmm. That's why actually the most popular category of alter egos that's used is actually grandmothers. Huh. Most really? pop- yeah, because there's no story that you need to build up there. Um, and I'm, right. I'm not saying that 50% of all older egos are grandmothers. I'm saying of all the categories that there could yeah. be that are out there, grandmothers is the most popular or someone from your family or in your private circle, not Thor, not Superman, not Wonder Woman. In those, those are because those are the obvious like examples yes. that you pull out. But yeah. yeah. And so, huh. you know, because now it's like, does this now this sort of inspired alter ego that I'm sort of latching to it already has these superpower qualities that I would like to show up with. That's the, yeah. that's the connection point that we have. And, uh, and now this gets us to the next thing, which is an important part of this process. And it taps into a psychological phenomenon that we all have called enclosed cognition. Enclosed cognition is this natural process human beings have where we attribute story and meaning to the clothing that we put on and other people have on. So mm-hmm. if I see someone come into a room with a white, doctor's coat on, I'm automatically just unconsciously, I don't need to consciously think about this at all. I'm automatically going to attribute to that person that they're probably smart, that they're detailed, that they're methodical, even trustworthy. And again, someone else's narrative might be slightly different, but that would be the most common global story around a doctor. And what's, but what's crazy about this sort of phenomenon that exists inside of humans is if you were to actually put on a white doctor's coat, you would naturally start to act more methodical, more detailed, and more careful mm-hmm. without even having to think about it. Okay, that's what enclosed cognition actually means. And it's been proven out with different studies that have been done on the concept and the idea. I was just listening to somebody talk about just saying the words, I'm excited, make you more excited. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> it's, here's it's the actual, simple. Yeah. Here, here's even one that goes even further with that. And this is the, this is the kind of the trappings of the self-help world. So- People often tell you to say things like, I am, right? That's how most affirmations are built. I am excited. Mm -hmm. I am a great leader. No, 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 no. Proven out that if instead you talk to yourself in a third person format, you would actually get higher levels of performance. One example that was, one study that was done was actually uh, marathon long distance runners that while they were running, if they said, I am strong, okay, Mm -hmm. that would give them a modicum of result. Interesting. But- if they said to themselves, you are strong, you are powerful, their results went way up. And this is, again, this is the stuff, this is why I tell people like, listen to the practitioners because only those of us that have been working with people have been testing this stuff for such a long time. I never get people to say, I am. Hmm. You are is so much more powerful. You are. Is this about how to trigger it? 
yeah, this is about how yeah. to trigger it. So the idea of like, you are strong is this idea that you have this sort of altered self, this super self that's coaching you now mm -hmm. in your own mind. The six inches between it's such a fascinating and fun place to go to. Like, that's why I love only talking to the people who, who are doing phenomenal things. And I'm really good at unpacking what it is they've actually been thinking about because that's the stuff that's so valuable. Mm -hmm. But yeah, instead of, instead of the I am, it's the you are. But this isn't the part of the... So that fourth step in this process to get back to enclosed cognition yeah. is you want to find a totem and an artifact. You want to find something that you can put on, you can wear, you can have with you possibly in your pocket as a triggering device to help you switch on and into that super self. This is like MLK's glasses or your exactly. um, football cards. And yeah, or even my glasses. Or, you know, I talk about Beyonce and Sasha Fierce in mm -hmm. the book and and how, she, you know, the reason she created Sasha Fierce is because she was a gospel singing young girl in Houston, Texas um, with a phenomenal voice, you know, singing obviously gospel hymns. Now all of a sudden she's thrust into this performance group, which started out with eight girls mm -hmm. in it. And they're, you know, dancing provocatively on stage and they're singing provocative lyrics. And that was very difficult for her because that wasn't a part of her identity. She was a gospel singing girl. And so she created Sasha Fierce as this super performer that would go out there that loved doing those things. And, and that's who would, she would step into. And, and she talks about in different interviews, how it was literally when she would just start styling her hair. That's when Sasha Fierce would go, or when she would put on the makeup that became her totem, that became her triggering device for Sasha Fierce to come alive. Hmm. And, and she even talks about how oftentimes when she would get back into the, uh, the green room or the dressing room afterwards, she would completely have forgotten about what actually happened out on stage. Hmm. Now that might sound strange to people, but for me as a performance guy, I'm like, exactly. That's because you found the zone in the flow state. The zone in the flow state is typically a lack of remembering because you're so locked into the process. Right. And I mean, that's ultimately why I'm doing this for people is, you know, whether or not an alter ego is this phenomenal device and tool that we use to help us perform at peak levels. It was the best thing that I could ever use with someone to help them get into flow state or zone state. Mm -hmm. There was nothing else that I could find from a psychological standpoint that could trigger zone and flow faster than using this powerful internal narrative of an alter ego. Yeah. Hmm. And then, and then using this idea of an article of clothing, a, a ring, a bracelet, a necklace, a pair of socks, anything that could be used to help you step into that was just a part of that great process of really showing up and committing to the process of how you want to be serving in that role or in that moment. So there's a lot more to it in which, which people should read the book to get or go to your website and learn more. Yeah. I'm curious. I always like to explore the exceptions too. And I'm wondering, is there a kind of person or a kind of mind mentality, a profile who might not benefit from using an alter ego? I have, I would, for, for the sake of argument, love to be able to just unpack someone or something. I haven't found anything. Yeah. I mean, again, I've done this for a really long time. There isn't, and I go through in my own mind, I go to, okay, culturally, is there anything culturally that has been challenged by this? And the answer is no. If there's actually been a group of people that has, and it's not that there's a big objection to the idea, mm -hmm. because my favorite thing about this is the most common response I get from people is, oh my God, I actually feel like I've been using some of this right. in my life. And I'm like, yeah, that's how you know you've actually found a good concept is... Everybody's already doing it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm doing this. And then it's just that they go, but now I feel like I can put my hands on the steering wheel and actually drive this. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, that's the powerful part of this. So, but if there was a culture or a group of people, it's actually, you know, white people in North America. Hmm. If there is a group of people that is more trapped... And, and the reason is because a lot of people are very much ruled by the thoughts and opinions of other people wanting to look a certain way to others. And if there is culturally a group that is most trapped by it, it is that classic Anglo-Saxon German huh. ruling or group as an identity in North America. I've done this and I, I, I love talking about this whole cultural difference, yeah. the, the differences. Huh. If there's a group that latches onto it and uses it most quickly, it's actually black people in North America. Hmm. And in the discussions that I've had, it's been fascinating just unpacking this with other people. But you know, there oftentimes one young gentleman who was a former NFL guy that I was talking to after a speech, he said, you know why? It's so funny you bring that up because when growing up in the 80s and 90s, I didn't have anyone on television that looked like me. Yeah. And so my creative imagination would go to 
Ross, Rachel, Joey, Chandler, <laughs> Monica. If that was actually a group of six black friends, who would be playing those roles? Hmm. Is it Denzel? Is it like, and, and then there's this group, big group of people. And we started sort of chatting about it and, and kind of laughing about it. But so the point about that was they've been using their creative imagination so much already in sort of playing sure. out. Well, and the concept of code switching is what came up for me immediately, which yeah. most white North Americans probably have never heard of, but everyone who isn't described by that yeah. code switches all the time in order to fit in where they are. So yeah. So, so anyway, to answer your question, no, not really. Yeah, it's, okay. um, I haven't met any sort of discipline or job or role that hasn't taken this and just mm. ran with it or hasn't already been using it. Uh, one last question. Did you use an alter ego before you opened up zoom to record this podcast today? <laughs> Funny you say that because I have been very active in pulling out a more playful side of myself because I'm a natural, I mean, in the work that I do with people one-on-one, I'm a natural or training and, you know, speaking on the world, I'm a natural challenger personality type because mm -hmm. I'm there to sort of break people's paradigms, but definitely in the way that I like showing up more is with a more kind of playful and fun personality. Cause it's a huge part of actually who I am. I'm a big jokester. Anyone who works in sport, you know, you're typically joking around a lot. But I am very much inspired by the way that Hugh Jackman shows up. Hmm. And so he's a, he's a good source of the inspiration for how I want to bring those same attributes and qualities out for myself. So yes or no? Yes. The answer is yes. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ab very absolutely. Cool. Yeah, because again, I mean, it's the, the point about this is that there are so many things that we do that are so important to us. You know, me connecting with your audience mm -hmm. or you know, getting the message out. It's so important. And then I just sit there. And again, this is just that power of really top performing people that just don't go through life. They're very, very intentional, or they try to be very intentional with really showing up in a powerful way. You know, so when I'm on here, I'm like, okay, well, what or who is going to help me show up in the best way? And, you know, as my little sort of friend within Hugh Jackman is going to help me do that. And actually, just as a final thought with people, this actually, the term alter ego was first stated by Cicero in 44 BC. Cicero is widely known as being the greatest Roman statesman and philosopher that lived. Mm -hmm. And in a letter to a friend in 44 BC, he brought up the idea of the alter ego in helping him to helping his friend navigate life. And he just said, the, the alter ego is the trusted friend or other eye within. Yeah. And it's there to help us to do the difficult things so that more of us it's to actually be revealed on the field of play of life. That is a perfect place to end. Todd, thank you so much for being with us today. Your book is called The Alter Ego Effect. People can find it on Amazon and we'll obviously include a link in our show notes. Thank you. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Are you interested in implementing the ideas you've heard on today's podcast into your law firm? Could you use a little help? Hey guys, it's Stephanie, the VP of Community Success here at Lawyers, and I'd love to help you tackle your business or take it to the next level. Head over to go.lawyerist.com backslash start to sign up for a quick call with me, and let's talk about how Lawyerist can help you create your best law firm. Make sure to catch next week's episode of The Lawyerist Podcast by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast app. And please leave a rating to help other people find our show. You can find the notes for today's episode on lawyerist.com slash podcast. The Lawyerist Podcast is edited by Paul Fisher. The views expressed by the participants are their own and are not endorsed by Legal Talk Network. Nothing said in this podcast is legal advice for you.